I absolutely hate murder stories like the Brian Laundrie uh, murder story of Gabby Patino or alleged murder. I hate these stories. I viscerally hate these stories. I hate when headlines pop into my phone. I hate when I see news organizations highlighting this. And I hate it for two reasons. I hate it because, like the rest of us uh, feel when we see this, it's heartbreaking, right? I feel this compassion. You see this woman's face. She is a vibrant young woman, and you realize that her life's been cut short, that she's not living anymore. And it's just, I mean, it's its horrendous. It's horrible. My heart breaks and I don't even know her. I'd never heard of her until this story. So I hate these murder stories for that reason. And I also hate it because our media, and I'm not just talking about news media. I'm talking about entertainment media as well. Our media in our country exploits these horrendous tragedies, these horrible crimes. Our media exploits it. They fetishize it. They sensationalize it. They glamorize it. They play into it. They really exploit this tragedy because we as human beings, human nature, we are morbidly fascinated with evil. And so they present it to us. That's why on the podcast charts, if you ever look, the top-rated shows on the podcast charts are always true crime murder stories, these grisly, horrible, horrifying stories. Well, stop. Stop. Evil will always exist. This is actually, by the way, this is the difference between a Marxist or a socialist ideology and a Christian ideology. Marxists and socialists believe that they can create a utopia, a utopia where evil doesn't exist, where people don't exploit um, other people, where bad things don't happen. And a Judeo-Christian ideology understands the fall of man. We understand that evil, unfortunately, is inherent to human nature. Hence, why stories such as, you know, Brian Laundrie happen. And so we, with a Judeo-Christian philosophy, we understand that in order for most people to live as free as we can, that we have to have a system of government that protects our rights first and foremost, that that's the purpose of it. And that we realize that government, too, can violate our rights. That government also can be corrupt because government is made of men, meaning mankind, and mankind is fallen, right? There's that old saying, if men were angels, government would not be unnecessary, or government would be unnecessary. It would not be necessary. Well, this plays into it. This Brian Laundrie story actually plays into this philosophy that limited government, meaning limited power to fallen men, men who, because of mankind, have a tendency towards evil, um, this idea that limited government is the best way to protect against this evil, the Brian Laundry story plays in because of the FBI. The FBI um, only just issued a search warrant for the home of Brian Laundry's parents. They didn't issue a search warrant while he was there, even though, even though he was named a person of interest at the beginning of the story. They waited until he was gone, until he had left, and then they removed his parents, and it was a whole, I mean, it was a whole mess. It's hard for me to imagine that the FBI, that this was the best the FBI could do. The best the FBI could do. So they neglected perhaps to do their job there. And I'm open to waiting, being proven wrong. See, maybe they knew what they were doing. But I don't have a lot of confidence in the FBI because the FBI has proved their incompetence. They've proved that they're abusive. I mean, look at Russiagate. Look at the FBI and trapping crazies and the Governor Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping scandal where the FBI informant was the actual ringleader of that plot. I mean, the FBI has a history of being woke and stupid. Think of, you know, how many FBI agents they sent when uh, to NASCAR when there was that report that a noose was hanging in, in the garage of one of the drivers. It turned out to be a garage pull. And yet the FBI sent, what, like 11, 12 agents to that? I mean, the, the FBI is, is shady. They also neglect to investigate. While they're targeting conservatives, they neglect to investigate credible allegations of horrendous child sex abuse like USA Gymnastics and Larry Nassar. So 
forgive me if I don't have this amazing amount of confidence in the FBI with the Brian Laundry case. And again, this is exactly why we limit authority and limit power in our government because man, mankind has fallen. We are sinners. We have a propensity for evil. That's why horrendous things like the Brian Laundry story happen. And that's also why we should be very hesitant and very skeptical to give any power and authority more than necessary to protect our inherent rights to the federal government. More on this in just a second. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to The Liz Wheeler Show. So if you are conservative, or even if you're not conservative, if you're liberal and you live in a red state, it's going to get a lot harder all of a sudden to get COVID-19 treatment if you fall ill with uh, the coronavirus. It's a really, really horrifying what, and this is the Biden administration's fault, by the way, really horrifying what's going on. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to talk about Truebill. Do you know why free trials for subscription services automatically renew without your consent? Well, To put it short, it's a business scam. And don't let greedy corporations pocket your money by engaging in this scam. There's actually a solution to it. It's called Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you either don't need, you don't want, or if you're like me, you simply forgot about, and then C, show up on your credit card bill every month. On average, people who use Truebill save up to $720 a year. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. That's all it takes. Or if you don't even want to do it yourself, your Truebill concierge is there to cancel them for you. So download Truebill to take control of your subscription. They've helped over 2 million users save over $100 million. Can you believe that? So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash Liz. Go right now, truebill.com slash Liz. It could save you thousands of a year. Truebill.com slash Liz. Please use uh, my URL and you'll be doing both of us a favor. Truebill.com slash Liz. So Joe Biden's administration has begun to ration um, COVID treatments for conservative states. I'm talking about monoclonal antibodies and the Biden administration announced that they are going to be distributing these antibodies not on a, on a need basis, which is how it should be done. They are going to start rationing this based on what Jen Psaki describes as equity. She says this is the equitable way to do it, to deprive states that need monoclonal antibody treatments of um, this treatment. Take a listen to this. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's chilling administration is cutting supplies in red states by 50 percent. So, for example, uh, you know, in Florida, they were expecting to get 70,000 doses this week, which they say they need. They're only getting 30,000 doses. And this is not just for unvaccinated people. In South Florida, half the people who are seeking this treatment are fully vaccinated. So why is the Biden administration cutting these supplies? That's not accurate. So let me give you the accurate information. Uh, First of all, we are increasing our distribution this month by 50%. In early August, we were distributing an average of 100,000 doses per week. Now we're shipping an average of 150,000 doses per week. Over the last month, though, uh, and one thing that I think people need to understand for clarity, facts, I know I know you're like facts, um, is that monoclonal antibodies are life-saving therapies that are used after infection to prevent more severe outcomes. So clearly the way to protect people and save more lives is to get them vaccinated so that they don't get uh, the 
COVID to begin with. But over the last month, given the rise in cases due to the Delta variant and the lower number of vaccination rates in some of these states, like Florida, like Texas, just seven states are making up 70% of the orders. Our supply is not unlimited, and we believe it should be equitable across uh, states across the country. Do you- There have been no reports of a, a, a lack of supply. So why cut them to those states only if there's no reports I think of a- our role as the, as the government overseeing the entire country is to be equitable in how we distribute. We're not going to give a greater percentage to Florida over Oklahoma, nor do I think are you suggesting that. I think we have to move on. Go ahead, Yamish. Thanks so much. So this is the problem with the word equity, right? This is different than equality. Equality means everyone has an opportunity to achieve. Everyone uh, is treated equally under the law. Equity makes sure that you don't have a, uh, an equal starting place, an equal opportunity. They ensure that you have an equal outcome. And when you ensure that there's an equal outcome, it might sound good at first, but what it really means is that certain people are going to be held back. Certain people are going to have things withheld. Certain people are going to have rights deprived or taken away from them, violated. And in this case, healthcare deprived. So this idea of equity, if you hear the word equitable, if you hear the word equity, run, run as fast as you can. So that, that's the first thing. The second thing is, this is also obviously punishment from the Biden administration. Let's be real. This is punishment to uh, Ron DeSantis and Florida because DeSantis has thumbed his nose, as he should, at the Biden administration, at the CDC, at Fauci, at all of these ignoramuses peddling politics instead of science. And DeSantis has said, listen, we're going to handle COVID in my state the way that it ought to be handled. We're going to make sure that there's enough medical care for people. We're going to protect people's rights. We're not going to enforce mask mandates. You all know what's going on in Florida and how DeSantis is handling this. Well, the Biden administration cannot stand that DeSantis is doing this. And so make no mistake, what Jen Psaki is announcing that the Biden administration is doing, it is revenge against DeSantis. This is not about sending an equitable amount of monoclonal antibodies to every state and not giving the lion's share to Florida. No. This is punishment for Florida for independently handling coronavirus and not just obeying Dr. Fauci's unscientific mandates because Florida won't allow vaccine mandates. Florida won't allow mask mandates. Florida won't even allow schools to mandate masks for children, all of which is great. And DeSantis should be commended. But Saki and Biden and his whole administration believe that if you don't follow the Biden administration's rules, and you quote unquote suffer the consequences, you get COVID because you didn't mandate masks, you didn't get a vaccine, they don't believe that you should get the treatment that you deserve. They don't believe you should have access to monoclonal antibodies. And I'm not just making this accusation, I actually have proof based on how not just the Biden administration, but how the Trump administration and our healthcare system nationally operated and how they distributed supplies during the first waves of this virus. And what I mean by this is we have always since the beginning of last year, we have surged supplies, medical supplies and medication and personnel to the areas where it was most needed, where there were outbreaks, states with high numbers of cases. For example, we sent a US Navy ship to New York. Did we send a Navy ship to every state? No, we didn't. But we should have if we were operating under this premise of Saki's equitable, if we were talking about equity, we would have sent a Navy ship to every single state and surged National Guardsmen and military members, healthcare personnel. But we didn't because we surged supplies to where it's needed because that's what smart people do who aren't trying to exact revenge on a Republican governor who they believe is acting outside of, you know, Biden's threats and Biden's bullying. 
So this is not about equity. This is about revenge. And what's worse, how it impacts not just people in Florida who are going to be deprived of monoclonal antibodies because of the Biden administration. What's worse is this impacts every single one of us because this is a perfect example of a government-run healthcare system. I'm talking about the Bernie Sanders Medicare for All system. I'm talking about Biden care. I'm talking about a, a public option. Anytime you have a government bureaucrat in charge of your healthcare system, like they have in Canada, like they have in Britain, like they have anywhere, like they have even the military, for example, this is what happens. Healthcare moves away from science. It's not dictated on the desires of the patients. It's not dictated by coordination between doctors and the family members. It is dictated by politics. It is dictated by politics. And when it's dictated by politics, politicians are willing to allow people to be hurt and sometimes even die. Allow them to be to have lack of access. Allow them to suffer from poor quality of care in, an, in order to make their political points. Again, this is not hypothetical. You can look at New York State right now. There's a hospital in New York State that is closing down their labor and delivery ward. They're stopping the delivery of babies. Babies aren't stopping delivering. Women aren't stopping delivering babies, but this New York hospital is now no longer offering the service of baby delivery. Imagine, by the way, being these women that were counting on this hospital. Imagine if you were due next week, next month, in three months, and all of a sudden your entire birth plan, everything you were counting on to keep yourself and your baby safe, it's shut down. Why is it shut down? Because of the vaccine mandate. Because the state of New York has made it a requirement that healthcare workers get vaccinated and healthcare workers who've decided that it's in their best interest not to get vaccinated, they have to leave their jobs if they don't comply. And when they leave their jobs because they're not complying, they're not allowing the government to tell them what to put in their body, then there's not enough healthcare workers to go around. And so this, mater this labor and delivery ward at this hospital completely closed down. In New York, there are urgent cares that are closing. So you have a healthcare problem in New York, you might not have a place to go because urgent cares are closing because of lack of staffing, because the vaccine mandate is forcing people out of their job. In New York, the wait at emergency rooms where there are life and death situations. That's what it means to go to the emergency room. The wait time is growing. The longer the wait times, we all know, the less likelihood that you have a survival in an emergency and the more serious um, any kind of healthcare issue can get. Yet that's what we're seeing in New York. And this is a thousand percent Biden's fault. A thousand percent. It's also, of course, the governor of New York's fault, but this is a thousand percent the fault of the Biden administration. This is socialized healthcare. This is what happens when government bureaucrats are given too much power and too much authority. And by the way, we should continue to say this is Joe Biden's fault until it rings in people's ears. Because if Democrats impose vaccine mandates, which cause healthcare workers to quit, which leads to rationing, it leads to long wait times and less access to care, the Democrats are 100% responsible for this and people should absolutely draw the connection. Blame the Democrats. How dare these Democrats claim to care about people's lives? Again, all I can think about when I hear this is not just anger at the political malfeasance, not just anger at these power-hungry bureaucrats. I'm thinking about those pregnant moms. I'm thinking about how I felt a month before I gave birth to my daughter. What? I can't even imagine how I would have re reacted if the rug had just been pulled out from under me and I thought, okay, I don't have a place to give birth to my daughter now because the government says they're 
helping people and saving lives by forcing this vaccine mandate that forces healthcare workers out of their job, that leads to people not being able to get the care they need. How does that make sense? And this isn't one of those situations where the um, politicians were unaware of the consequences of their behavior. Governor Hochul of New York, the first female governor of New York, she was warned a month ago by 10 different counties in the state of New York that her vaccine mandate was going to cause a healthcare worker shortage and that it was going to be bad news. These are the counties that warned her. Orleans, Genesee, Wyoming, Livingston, Steuben, Wayne, Ontario, Yates, Seneca, and Shiler, they all signed a letter to the governor of New York. And they said that they have grave concerns about the implications of the vaccine mandate. Yet what did the governor of New York do? What did Kathy Hochul do? Nothing. She let this happen. What did the Biden administration do? Because, oh, make no mistake, they're aware of this. They did nothing. They pressed forward, shaming unvaccinated Americans, shaming people, degrading people who choose not to get vaccines, pretending it's about your health, your well-being, your safety. Meantime, the way that it's actually going to impact you is you live in these areas, you're not going to be able to get healthcare. This is socialized medicine. This is what happens when government bureaucrats are given too much power. This is, this is why I think it's somewhat of a mistaken idea to put trust in American governmental institutions. And this is what I mean. I had a conversation with a friend recently who said, listen, it's really a shame that we've gotten to the point in our nation when the, where the American people don't trust our institutions anymore. How do we turn this around so that the people, the electorate, the voters, the citizens of our nation have faith in our institutions? And I thought about this because it wasn't a rhetorical question. And I realized, no, we shouldn't have trust in our institutions. That's actually counter to a lot of American history. It's the most American spirit, or in the interest, I guess, in the, the history of the American spirit, is actually skepticism in institutions, in governmental institutions. And so I can, I can give another example of this. I, th I thought the same thing when, um, when I was watching the Senate hearings or the congressional hearings about USA Gymnastics and how the FBI had committed just gross malfeasance, in my opinion, just allowing Larry Nasser, the doctor who sexually abused dozens of young gymnasts, um, they, they interviewed these gymnasts, they got graphic details, and they just neglected to follow up on this, allowing this pedophile to continue to sexually abuse these young girls, and they just didn't do their job. Why? Why would they do that? Why should I trust an institution like the FBI to do their job when they have a history of abusing their power. Yes, the FBI does have a history of abusing their power. I mean, think of J. Edgar Hoover. It's practically the legacy of the FBI to abuse their power. And so I thought to myself, we, we shouldn't be encouraging people to trust the institutions. We should actually be encouraging people to stop trusting governmental institutions. The only two institutions that you should be able to trust implicitly are marriage and the family. They're very specifically non-governmental institutions. And so I thought, I thought, I thought to myself, we really need to actually usher in a new era, a new era of skepticism for government. And this is a lot easier said than done because a new era of skepticism would be a really hard thing for the American people. Now, why is this hard? It's very hard because it requires, if you are going to operate as a skeptic, it requires critical thought, 
It requires independent thinking. It requires rejection of groupthink. And it requires the ability to withstand peer pressure, the ability to be mocked and still be confident in the decisions that you make or the conclusions that you've reached. And this, this is the only way, I think, to turn around this distrust in American institutions and this really in order to enact accountability from some of the people who have abused these institutions. I don't think it's negative to be a skeptic. I think this is the solution, is a new era of skepticism of all governmental institutions. And if the conservative movement, if the Republican Party were the vanguard of this new era of skepticism, I think that our entire landscape politically would change. Because instead of just accepting what government officials say, and this is anybody from the CDC to the FBI, we'd ask questions. We'd ask why, who says, show us proof. How do we know? And if we ask, if we the people ask those questions of everybody in our government, then there wouldn't be the corruption that there is today because there wouldn't be the opportunity for that corruption because we would all be the watchmen. We would all be the watchdog. We would all be the accountability, which is actually, if you think about it, as American citizens, this is our role in self-governance. Our role in self-governance isn't just limited to those among us who are elected into positions of power. Self-governance requires participation from us all, not just when we cast our vote, but as skeptics, as uh, members of a community that holds government accountable. It actually, it, it goes beyond just us. This requires a cultural a cultural revolution uh, to usher in this era of skepticism. And it requires people, believe it or not, like Nicki Minaj. Now, I know, I never thought I'd say the words, I agree with Nicki Minaj for obvious reasons. But Nicki Minaj tweeted that quite odd story about a side effect that her cousin's friend had uh, suffered from the COVID vaccine. I think she said she, he got swollen testicles or something. I don't know if it's true um, in and of itself, but her, her second tweet that kind of blew everything up. She was saying, listen, if you're gonna get the COVID vaccine, go ahead. But you shouldn't do it based on coercion. You shouldn't do it based on, you know, anybody's bullying or anybody's mandate. You should do it because you've thought about it and you feel that it's the best decision for you. And again, I thought to myself, well, never agreed with her before, but I certainly do agree with Nicki Minaj. But the reaction from the left, when Nicki Minaj made this comment was a I mean, they dropped the hammer on this woman, probably nobody more so, uh, at least with a larger platform than Joy Reid at MSNBC. Take a listen to this. But the worst part of all this, honestly, is not even the personal attacks. The worst part is who is enjoying this so much. People like white nationalist, curious Victor Orban enthusiast and no friend of hip hop or non-white people, period, Tuckums Carlson. Nicki Minaj endorsed this clip of his yesterday where he praises her for, quote, enraging the political class. And when people responded that she might not want to be associated with a white nationalist, she essentially gave in to the right's favorite talking point that somehow celebrities are not allowed to agree with Republicans. She also tweeted, you know how many of us, how many U.S. presidents were white supremacists? Well, yes, yes, we do. A whole lot of them. But what people like Tuckums and the Ben Shapiro's and other right-wing bomb throwers want is not Nicki Minaj to have free speech. What they want is a vehicle to drag as many of her fans into their anti-vax camp as they can. They need and crave authentic members of the culture, hip-hop culture. Let's just be clear. 
they look down on that culture and hate that culture and would never, ever, ever support someone like Nicki Minaj other than to pull her onto their team. Case in point, Laura Ingraham once criticized President Obama for just meeting with Ms. Minaj, citing the profanity in her lyrics. But they need her right now. And let's not forget the freak out the right had over the WAP lyrics by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion or Little Nas X for giving the devil a lap dance in a music video. The right has no use for people in the culture until they're useful for the purposes of hurting people in the culture. Now, why did Joy Reid do that? I know Joy Reid, um, her logic is difficult to track, so maybe that's a difficult question. But the answer is the radical left knows that a culture of independent thought or an era of skepticism will end their reign. That's why they go after people like Nicki Minaj when she dares to break away from the radical leftist ideology. I mean, they attack her as a woman. They attack her as, uh, by her profession. They attack her as a black person. They're visceral. They basically accuse her of buddying up to white supremacists because she said, what are you talking about? You know, black people can agree with a Republican. We don't all have to be Democrats. And they essentially accuse her of being a white supremacist because they know that a culture of skepticism, and that's exactly what Nicki Minaj was displaying, a culture of skepticism will end the Democrats' reign. It will do worlds to end the corruption in our government and to hold these government bureaucrats who abuse their power accountable. That's also, by the way, this lack of accountability, this lack of skepticism, and government with too much power is uh, why we're seeing what we're seeing at the southern border. And it's absolutely astounding when you see videos of what is going on in Del Rio, Texas. I'm going to show you that in just a second. But first, before we get to that, I have some big news to share with you today. This fall, I'm excited to be heading to college campuses across America in partnership with my friends at Young America's Foundation. At these college events, I'll be able to talk directly with you, directly with your peers about the issues that affect all of our lives. A deeper dive, you might say, into many of the issues that we cover on this show every day. Plus, and this is often the most fun part, I will be taking questions live. YAF is the master of these campus events. They've been hosting speakers on campuses for literally decades. I'm thrilled to be working with YAF to come visit your school. Starting today, you can put in a request to host an event with me on your campus this fall. It's actually super easy. All you have to do is go to lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. That's lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. Now, I say this whenever I speak with YAF, but I always love meeting students on college campuses and at YAF's conferences. In fact, it's one of my favorite parts of my job. I get to meet a lot of impressive young students that give me, give us all hope for the future of conservatism in America. So don't miss out. Put in a request today to host an event with yours truly on your college campus today. If you're interested or if you know a student in your life who is interested, don't wait. Go to lizwheelershow.com slash YAF today and submit your request. lizwheelershow.com slash YAF. I'll see you on campus this fall. So the results of everything that we're talking about, to tie it in, the result of what we're talking about in Florida, the result of what we're talking about with the Biden administration um, rationing monoclonal antibodies is this two-tier system, right? And we're going to get to the border in just a second. This ties in. But this two-tier system where leftists get to play by different rules than anybody who's not a leftist. Conservatives are treated differently than those who toe the uh, radical leftist ideological line. And there's, there's actually an additional example of this. In Florida right now, there's a landlord who is requiring his tenants to show proof of vaccination or else face eviction. That's right. 
He's threatening to kick people out of their homes, kick people out of their rental homes, if they do not show him what personal medical decisions they have made about their own body. And the Democratic Party seems to be supportive of this. A very influential Twitter account called Occupy Democrats tweeted, breaking a large Florida landlord announces that he will begin requiring all new and existing tenants to provide proof of COVID vaccination, saying, you don't want to get vaccinated, you will have to move, and if you don't, we will evict you. And then this account, Occupy Democrats, says, RT, if you support, that means retweet, if you support the landlord's move. By the way, you can contrast with this. Democrats celebrating the unconstitutional eviction moratorium that the Biden administration, yes, it was eventually overturned, but they celebrated it before it was overturned, even when they knew it was illegal. So they don't want you to be evicted unless you haven't gotten the COVID vax, and then they do. It's a two-tier system that the Democrats want to bring into this country. A two-tier system where conservatives and Christians and those who question COVID policy and those who choose not to get vaccinated, they're second-class citizens, just like the border. That's what's happening at the border. Now, the Biden administration has tried to shut down journalists at the border. They've tried to say, oh, you can't fly your drones over for special security reasons. You can't capture footage of this. And I don't blame them for trying to shut this down if you were presiding over the biggest national security disaster, well, since two weeks ago in Afghanistan. I would probably want to shut it down too. Now, I wouldn't because I'm not a tyrant and I respect freedom of the press, but I understand why Biden wouldn't want you to see this train, this stream of illegal aliens crossing the Rio Grande. Take a look at this. This is from Fox. All right, guys, what you're looking at right now is that is the U.S. side of the Rio Grande. That is a mass of several hundred illegal immigrants who have just crossed the Rio Grande. And look at this, several hundred more streaming across as we speak. We're on a boat in the Rio Grande. This is the Mexican side of the river right now. You can see it's a never-ending stream. Hundreds of people crossing the Rio Grande basically every hour and they're heading over to the international bridge which you can see in the background look at that mass of people this is why the situation under the bridge continues to deteriorate this is insane the federal government has to wake up oh you're right and the result of that this is all by the way reported by bill malusian at fox uh excellent reporting. The result of that long stream of legal aliens is this migrant camp. 12,000 illegal aliens camped under the International Bridge in Del Rio, Texas. Take a look. Now, you might have noticed the same thing that I noticed when I watched those videos, that none of these migrants are wearing masks. None of them are being forced to show proof of COVID vaccination. None of them are being evicted from their homes because they refuse to show a landlord, a power-hungry landlord, whether they have a vax card or not. No, no. It's a two-tier system here in the United States, thanks to the Democrats and thanks to the power that they have. Again, this is exactly why we don't want to give so much power to the government. It's the basis of conservatism here, of limited government, because we only give government bureaucrats the tiniest bit of authority, the tiniest bit of power, because we know if we give them even an iota more, they will abuse it. We give them a tiny bit, a limited amount, and then we the people must be skeptical about whether they are acting properly, and we must hold them to account when they misbehave. 
Now, case in point here, Joe Biden must be held to account because he is literally refusing to enforce existing law at the border. This is, this is the root of the border crisis, right? Th this is what the Democrats don't want you to see. This is why every other story that they're talking about, they are using to distract from what is happening at the border because we have literally, this is not hyperbolic, we have never seen an influx of illegal aliens as uncontrolled as we are seeing right now at our southern border under the Biden administration because of the political choices that Joe Biden is making. Now, Congressman Chip Roy from Texas has an excellent thread, an excellent Twitter thread um, about exactly what is happening at the border, why it's happening, what's being done by Texas because the federal government refuses to do their job. And I want to read just a little bit, just a summary of what he's talking about here. So Chip Roy tweets, he says, a summary of what's happening at the Texas border is the feds are refusing to enforce the law that's already on the book. And this is a paraphrase. And Texas leadership, because of that, has fought back. They fought back in court, they fought back rhetorically, and they fought back with money. Texas is still getting crushed. And this is a national security risk. Chip Roy says, the job of the federal government is to secure the border and the constitution, article four, section four, guarantees a Republican form of government and to protect against invasion. Yet, the federal government refuses to enforce MPP, that's the return to Mexico policy, you'll remember from the Trump administration. They're now ignoring a federal court order to do so. Remember, the Biden administration lost this battle in court. A federal judge said the Biden administration had to, was required to follow the remain in Mexico policy. They're refusing to do so. Uh, Congressman Roy also says the Biden administration is refusing to use the full Title 42, that's about infectious disease, bringing infectious disease into the country. You can deport people immediately if they come from areas where there's infectious disease. Now, because of COVID, this should apply to almost everybody. They're reducing Title 42 use significantly even before the court ruling, and they now, which now refuses to fight. They refuse to devote necessary resources to border patrol and to ICE, refuse to designate cartels as terror organizations, refuse to take steps to keep border patrol agents on the line, 50% of them, over 50% of Border Patrol agents are off. They're doing processing. Democrats at the federal level are backdooring a bill with massive amnesty and expansion of green cards and actively choosing to allow COVID-positive folks entry, all resulting in direct harm to Texas. I mean, this is quite something. And this direct harm, Congressman Roy actually expounds on this. I mean, you and I can talk about the harm it does to the welfare system, the harm it does to the idea of sovereignty. But if we're talking about direct harm, day-to-day -day direct harm to Texans on the ground, this is what Congressman Roy says. Thousands of pounds of fentanyl pouring in, killing Texas. Criminal, criminal aliens coming into Texas, 50 known murderers. Ranchers' fences cut, costing thousands. Livestock out, costing thousands. Bodies of migrants found, including 90 in Brooks County alone. 75 in the Del Rio sector, hundreds more. Then Texas counties must fund $3,000 autopsies and $5,000 burials. There's been an explosion in sex and labor human trafficking, stash houses proliferating, car chases, home break-ins, threats to citizens. This is what's happening to Texas. And so Texas as a state has been, you know, filling in for the, for the federal government where the federal government has been negligent and that's good, but the federal government shouldn't get off the hook because, because the state is doing what the federal government won't. No, not at all. What should happen is the federal government should be held to account by you and by me, by our votes, by our skepticism, because they're abusing their authority. They have no right not to enforce the law. That is literally the job of the executive branch, to enforce laws on the books.
but they're not. They're not doing any of this. And so what Congress should do, Congress should, dis, should, should discharge petition to force Title 42 to be fully enforced. This would make a huge difference. Now, I understand a judge says right now that this isn't going to apply to families, just to individuals, that family units aren't gonna be sent back. They're gonna be released into the United States with just a notice to return. Do you know what happens when migrants are given a notice to return to come before a court at a court date in the future? They don't show up. I think the number is something like 90% do not show up. So all these illegal aliens have to do right now is get a child. We know that there are recycling rings of children that are being used as pawns, used to get illegal aliens that aren't actually family units into the United States. So all these traffickers and these cartels have to do is say, okay, we'll take that child and we're a family. And this federal judge now says that that's all it takes to get out of Title 42, that these quote-unquote family units will be released into the United States with just a court notice to return at a later time. So Congress needs to take action. They need to force Title 42 to be fully enforced as it was intended. They need to fully enforce, Congress needs to force the executive branch to implement the Remain in Mexico policy. Otherwise, what do we live in? We live in a two-tier system where rules apply to you differently than they apply to leftists or people that leftists are using as pawns. I mean, the, the idea of a two-tier system, we talk about a lot, but if you, if you wanna know what this is actually like, what this would actually look like in your daily life and my daily life, let's look at how a two-tier system abuses children and ignores the disabled. We're gonna talk about that in a second, but first I wanna talk to you about Headspace. With all of this heavy political topics that we have to discuss because we're responsible American citizens, it can get to be a very difficult thing to do to talk about politics all the time. It can be very heavy, it can be very stressful, it can be very depressing. And perhaps you've tried meditation before for relaxation and perhaps it didn't work. Maybe you felt like you were doing it wrong. Well, if mental health is part of your self-care plan this year, then you owe it to yourself to try Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of relaxation in the form of guided meditations. It all comes in a very easy to use app. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Well, Headspace has a three-minute meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kid. Their approach can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. So go to headspace.com slash Liz. That's headspace.com slash Liz for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash Liz. I encourage you to do it. It's a really cool thing. So this two-tier system is not hypothetical. It's not something that we just read about. It's something that is impacting us, impacting us, our families, our loved ones, and even our children. Once you watch this video, and I, I watched this video, and it was hard for me actually not to cry watching this video because it was, uh, an individual posted this online and said, listen, this is my child at daycare, and I have to send my child to daycare because I have to work. And sometimes daycares have either videos or pictures that they send to parents, or sometimes they have webcams where you can watch what's going on while you're at work for accountability and so that you can feel more connected with your child. But this parent had to sit and watch her child, in, in my opinion, be abused because this daycare was forcing a two-year-old child to wear a face mask even though the child was screaming and crying because it was uncomfortable. Take a watch. Put yeah. the mask on. Yeah. 
No, you gotta put, you gotta wear it on, huh, honey? No, you gotta keep it on. Put your mask on. There you go. Keep it right there. Yay, Mason! Yay! You put it on, Mason. Look, we're gonna keep it right here. happening in the state of New York because, again, of Governor Hochul in New York, this is inhumane to force babies to cover their faces when even a baby, a baby's natural biology knows that this is bad for them. There's no reason for this. And yet again, we're in a two-tier system. Adults don't have to, adults don't have to wear face masks all the time because adults are following radical leftist ideology. They're getting vaccinated. But until you force your kid to, until you force your kid to get that vaccination, your kid's going to be literally abused at daycare, forced to wear a mask. It's awful. It's contradictory to science. It's contradictory to the global consensus on COVID-19 and who transmits it and whether children are at risk. And then we have, then we have people who are disabled. A deaf woman made a video saying that she was turned away. She was denied service at a Dunkin' Donuts because she couldn't understand, um, she couldn't understand the workers behind their masks because she's deaf. She reads people's lips to understand them. And when the worker refused to take off the mask so that this woman, this deaf woman could understand what was being said, she was kicked out. Watch. A little while ago, I got refused service at a Dunkin' Donuts because I'm deaf. I didn't know how to process it. I was confused. I couldn't hear anything. I wear a cochlear implant, but I was not wearing it at that time. I called this girl over, told her I was deaf. I have to read her lips. She didn't take her mask off. She goes to the manager and I'm an Uber driver. So I got a ride and I was like, hey, I have to order my drink. I have to go. The manager comes over and I could just tell by his body language, his face, he was going off and kept doing this and I kept saying I can't hear you I can't hear you I need to lip read he refused to write anything down he refused to pull his mask down we're six feet apart through the plexiglass to the side I'm wearing my mask like what more do you want from us we struggle so much during this pandemic enough is enough people don't believe I'm deaf and I could sense and feel from him that he couldn't believe me he didn't believe me he didn't believe i was deaf because i speak so well if that doesn't break your heart then i don't know then i don't know what will 
But this is the result. This is the result of when government officials have too much power, when we've abandoned the idea of limited government in our nation, when we've given bureaucrats, sometimes unelected bureaucrats, power over our lives, when we have abandoned this era of skepticism, when we've stopped asking questions, when we become too deferential, this is what happens. People get hurt. Whether it's a pregnant woman in New York who has nowhere to give birth, whether it's this child in a daycare who's, being, who's crying and screaming, forced to wear a mask, whether it's this deaf woman who was turned away, couldn't even get her coffee because she couldn't understand what was being said because of mask mandates, whether it's our border being overrun by people who aren't showing their proof of vaccination because they don't have to because they're falling in line with radical leftist ideology, they're pawns in the Democrats' plot. This is what happens when we let government get too big. And it's up to us, the American people, to put a stop to this usher in a new era of skepticism to take back power, to take it away from government, and to make sure that those who have abused their power are being held accountable. If not, this is what we're going to face. These aren't gonna be isolated incidents. These aren't gonna be just simply news stories that we see that horrify us all. This is going to be the norm. And it's going to get worse, but, but unless we stop it, unless we turn this around. By the way, speaking of accountability, I talked with Jordan Schachtel, he's an independent journalist this week, about the influence that Bill Gates has on unelected bureaucrats who have so much power in our federal government, and how Jordan Schachtel himself says uh, that Dr. Fauci is actually not the most influential person when it comes to public policy, public health policy in our country. Schachtel says it's actually Bill Gates who has the most influence over COVID policy in our entire country. And it was a really interesting conversation. Um, the, f the full interview is on local, so you can go to lizwheelershow.com slash locals to hear all the details. Pretty fascinating. Um, and a little troubling that we've allowed our government to get as out of control as we have, that we've abandoned this idea of limited government. But my friends, it's not too late. We can take it back, um, and we have to start taking it back by participating in an era of skepticism. Always ask the questions. Ask, ask, ask those questions. All right, on a, on a somewhat lighter note, this made me laugh uh, pretty hard. It's, it, it was texted to me by a friend, actually. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez at the Met Gala last week, you saw her dress, right? We talked about it um, on the show. Well, check out this spoof of AOC's dress. Instead of tax the rich, how about she show up to the Met Gala with this, with this printed on the back of her dress? For those of you listening, I'm gonna read what it says. For those of you watching, you can read it yourself. Um, but this is, what, this is what the spoof says on the back of her dress in red writing. Quote, once men recognize, both in private and in public life, that Christ is king, society will at last receive the great blessings of real liberty, well-ordained discipline, peace, and harmony. This is, of course, Pope Pius the Eleventh. Uh, I would pay, I can't even tell you how much money if someone would actually wear a dress like this to a radical leftist event like the Met Gala. Unfortunately, until that time, we will have to rely just on memes to get our laugh. Also, another funny note. So you know how AOC was um, was saying that she worked with this designer, Aurora James, who was a working woman of color just like her and how they had interesting discussions during the design of this dress? Well, it turns out that this designer, Aurora James, is actually a tax deadbeat. Yes, that's right. She doesn't pay her taxes and she's actually dodging in several states government officials trying to make her pay her taxes. So... If that's an example of a working woman of color, I don't think I don't think it is. I don't think that's someone AOC should be palling around with, but leave it to the socialists and the uh, enablers of socialists to be hypocrites all the day long. And now this is the funniest thing that I've seen. 
This is just, God bless America, let me tell you. This is, this video will have you on the edge of your seat. This poor little cat hanging by his claws in a, uh, in a stadium saved by, well, you'll see. Take a look at this. Okay, so up at the top, tippy top, right corner of your screen, you see that little cat? I didn't even notice it at first, the first time I watched this. The cat, so he's scrambling. Now he's just, by two claws, he's hanging there. Two hands, two paws, not hands. Two paws, he's, hand, he's hanging there. Look at the entire stadium is watching this. This poor little cat, oh my gosh, that must have been so terrifying. So terrifying, looking for a way out. Now he's just hanging by one paw. One paw, those claws, he's gonna fall. He's gonna fall, he falls, and they caught him with the American flag, old glory for the win, saved by the red, white, and blue. Listen to that crowd. My goodness, God bless America. The American flag saved a little cat. And on that note, the great and powerful Jay Hay says that is all the time I have for today. I will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, think for yourself, use critical thought, question authority, follow the facts, and don't let government or corporate wokeism or cultural Marxism or anybody bully you into being a sheep. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Download each episode. Give us a five-star rating. Write us a glowing review. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Assistant editor, Michael Wall. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Post-production manager, Victoria Metzl. Director of marketing, Emily Washler. Production and talent coordinator, Matt Toffler. And senior publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.